I don't know if you know what we do. Uh, we're a news organization, and and we do a lot of media work for the wrongfully convicted uh, individuals. And I never had a case in Virginia, which is where I live, man. But I found out somehow somebody sent me some info on you, and I just tried to find you. And then, thank God, I found you, and I just reached out to you. Well, like I said, I appreciate that. I've been fighting uh, since day one um, about my innocence, and you know, I got. Everything in black and white. I actually had to uh, study law on um, for the past 10 years, and you know, just the things that I found on the case and case law statutes, and um, basically due process rights, fair trial rights, uh, constitutional rights, and things of that nature. But like I said, this case is just unique in its own self because from the beginning, the investigation started off with them looking for a white, a white on um, male, I'm um, African American. It's bizarre, man. It's bizarre. I I want you to tell me exactly what happened in your case. Um, tell me the whole story. I um, I'm at a friend's house. Um, all I know is I get up in the middle of the night, and I, I'm trying to I because like I said, I'm trying to go back 13 years basically. I right, so I get up in the middle of the night and I'm dragged out the window. I'm dragged out the window by uh, U.S. Marshals. So I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So I'm never, I'm never told that I'm under arrest. I'm never served with a warrant. All I know is I got six trained U.S. Marshals with M16 guns pointed at me, and I'm, I know not to make a move or I'm dead. So I'm just like, man, this is. I'm like, yo, what's going on? So I, I get put in the van and I get transferred down to. Um, the Petersburg, at this time I'm in Petersburg, Virginia, and I get tra- I get taken down to Petersburg, but I don't go in the station. Mm-hmm. All I do is get transferred, I get I get swapped out from Petersburg, and then I go down to Chesterfield, Virginia. And I'm still asking all the questions, like, what's going on? And they celebrating like they got some mass murderer, and I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, y'all, y'all still haven't given me a warrant, y'all still haven't placed me under arrest. Like, what's going on? I'm, 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 I'm in handcuffs at the time. So, hmm. as I get down to Chesterfield, I go to Chesterfield, and it's two detectives. One named Detective uh, Clayton, and the other one named uh, Detective uh, Connor. Hmm. And um, I do three interviews, even because I waived my Miranda rights, because I wanted to know what was going on. And still, I wasn't being served with no warrant. You know, I, I never got served with a warrant the whole time all of this is going on. And... You know, they're telling me, asking me about a murder. And I'm like, I don't know anything about murder. And this is my alibi, my whereabouts. It actually was on um, video footage of where I was at at the time they said that the crime took place. But the thing about it was they wasn't trying to get the video footage because that would have killed the whole entire case. This is Unshackled on, on JusticeNews.net. 
and I brought up the transcripts from the court because the detective asked me, he said, will my DNA be on his T-shirt? And I said, no, it is impossible because I never met the guy. I was not in the cab at the time of the, of the, of the crime, and I didn't do it. Those were my exact words. I said, that is impossible. So when I kept requesting for the T-shirt to be tested, they kept pushing against it, and my lawyer kept pushing against it, and he was like, well, the T-shirt should be submitted into evidence, the T-shirt should be doing this, and I was like, man, I kept telling him the whole time, I said, man, I think they're going to try to destroy the T-shirt, man. I kept telling him, I said, man, I think they're going to destroy the T-shirt, and he kept on making me seem like, oh, I, I, I don't need to panic. I'm like, man, what the fuck is you talking about? I'm in prison. I'm locked up. I got a little girl. You're tripping, man. And me and him kept going back and forth because I felt like because I was black, he didn't, he didn't care. You see what I'm saying? I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and I try to tell people this all the time. On Jefferson, De on Jefferson Davis Highway, where um, the crime was committed, ain't nothing but confederate of uh, people that used to be out there when I was growing up. I didn't know it at the time until I started learning my history. But that's, that whole area is, is prone to be racist. The case was never supposed to have been given to Chesterfield because it was never proven that a crime was committed in Chesterfield. You had a victim's body in the city of Richmond, but for some strange reason, Chesterfield got the case. When I put in a motion for venue and jurisdiction to be transferred back to Richmond, I was the, half the appeal was granted, but then they remanded to keep the rights to Chesterfield for whatever reason. Let me wrap my head around this, man. What you're saying is that uh, uh, on the day of the murder, you were not even there. You had an alibi. You were with your girlfriend, and you had evidence to prove that. And none of them, none of that was used by your public pretender. Exactly. Is that true? That's true. This is Unshackled with Imran on JusticeNews.net. And and on top of that, there were three eyewitnesses all white who said that they saw a white guy coming out of the vehicle and you were a black man exactly it's absolutely ridiculous man exactly and it's all in records it's and it's bizarre. like exactly it is all in records and i've been and i've been talking to uh innocent projects for over 10 years and i've been doing my own legal work for over 10 uh i got just got back out of court like um out of last year because um, I didn't know at the time that the T-shirt was destroyed, and the judge granted my motion to test the T-shirt along with other items. And then it came back from the, their department that when I requested it in my habeas corpus, that's when the uh, prosecutor that was on my case, he uh, requested that that T-shirt along with 20 other pieces of items get destroyed, and then he retired. Cool. He, he retired right after he destroyed my evidence. Man. I mean, uh, that guy should be sued, man, in a court of law. I mean, like I said, I'm... It's absolutely, absolutely, it's absolutely crazy, man. This is happening right in Virginia, and nobody knows about this. I mean, you got to look at it from the standpoint, Virginia is a racist-ass state. I'm just being honest with you. I grew up in here, man. I know, I know the town. You get pulled over by driving while being black. I know, dude. I, li I live here, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know? I know exactly what you're talking about. So, so what's going on right now with your case? Uh, I was working on a second habeas corpus where I was going to um, file and um, use the new, um, basically use, knowing that the, the, that the evidence was destroyed now, because I didn't know at first. I, I raised a Brady violation saying that they suppressed evidence, favorable evidence that could exonerate me, and then knowing that I was told that the evidence still existed, so then I requested for it to be tested. So then after uh, 
after requesting for it to be tested, then to come to find out later on that it was destroyed, now I have to file another habeas corpus stating that, hey, my evidence was destroyed, and this was basically Arizona, Youngblood, um, and, and with other uh, constitutional violations that I'm going to write as far as that. But it, like I said, I, I deal with mental health, so it's been, it's been a wear on me, and I just, it's like I, I almost finished it, but I was hoping to get a, a lawyer to do it for me that I could trust. So I've been trying to get up funds to get a lawyer to take over because, like I said, I deal with mental health and I, I deal with being incarcerated amongst a, a corrupted system that's, that's designed on basically killing us or enslaving us. So I just don't know how to go against that sometimes. Okay, now listen to me. First is, man, that you will not give up, man, because you have evidence that you were not there. So no fucking power uh, uh, from this mankind should be able to push you back because you are on the side of the truth. Of course, the system is designed to break you and destroy you, psychologically uh, devastate you and your family. But you got to understand that David killed Goliath. When God is on the side of the truthful, then none of these fuckers who put you in prison for a wrongful conviction can ever win. Sure, they can put you in there 10, 20 years, try to destroy you. But the day you give up inside your soul, the fight for your freedom, that is the day you make those fuckers win. And you will not do that. You will not give up. Did you take a plea deal? Nah, I never took no plea. Then why the fuck will you give up now? Number one. Number two, you don't have any psychological problems, okay? Don't let them trick you in that. You're a smart guy, you got clarity. I just asked you to tell me what happened 13 years ago and you described everything perfectly. There's nothing wrong, man. What is wrong is with them. It's a railroad, man. It's an absolute railroad. You have to search what they're doing to you, the keywords. Now, the first thing is you have to find out what is deliberate indifference. This, what they're doing to you is deliberate indifference, number one. Number two, you need to work on a writ of mandamus. Just go and research. Instead of thinking that you're going crazy, spend some time in the library and research on the writ of mandamus. Yeah, I know how to do a widow. I know I know how to do a widow of mandamus. I have this off. I, I actually had the forms written out. Like I said, I studied law for over 10 years, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So now understand that somehow God has connected you and me. I don't even know how it happened. I have no idea. But uh, your case is personal to me because uh, we just did 30 cases and none of them were from Virginia. I could ne never even imagine that this could go on uh, in Virginia. But it is because Virginia is no different from any other fucked up U.S. state. Uh, where you have uh, thousands of innocent people incarcerated. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to do something, and that's why I reached out to you, and I appreciate you getting back to me. But what I want you to think is that the day you give up, the day you break your soul, the day you accept and surrender is the day that these people want. And you will not do that, because until the last breath in your body, you will not give up. You cannot give up because you have to understand, Quindell, mercy of God can come at an instant on a lightning speed, man. Lightning speed. God is testing all of us. We're all going through our trials. You are there 
going through your struggle and trial i'm here going through mine but we have to understand that god is with the truthful those who are truthful he stands with them of course he's testing us to see how we will do are we going to blame god we are in no position to blame god no i just been in, it's like not to cut you off this is the position that i've been in because for the simple fact that i've been talking to god my whole entire life i believe the only reason i'm alive because god put me here to be a leader and to make a difference on this world because a lot of people do not care about what's really going on and then for me to be going through the criminal justice system for the first time and to be really being here now i served in the army for five years you know i went to the, i went to college i done did a lot of things in my life and i met a lot of people you know i grew up in a church you know, I grew up just learning and really trying to figure out who is God to me and who and who am I to God and who am I in his life. And I noticed that I had a purpose. I understand how you feel because what I said to you, yes, it just is not as easy as a lot of people think because I deal with discrimination and racism on a daily basis. And then they're willing to take it to a physical, to the physical, to the point where they will only fuck me up. They'll kill me. Because I didn't witness it. You see what I'm saying? I didn't witness suicide. I witnessed killings since I've been in here. So it ain't like it, it can't happen to me. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want to be that individual. I don't want to be that individual to hurt somebody because of what I'm capable of, of doing if I have to protect myself. So in those yeah. in those situations, I'm, I'm doing my best. But I'm only, but I'm human though. I'm human. Mm. Like, I suffer, like for instance, I have no support. I have no support. You got to look at, if you looked at my case, then you understand that my mother testif uh, testified against me in court. And that's what they try to use to, uh, to, to keep me behind bars. But what they fail to realize is that my mother is a seven times felon. She has numerous of misdemeanors where she's lying, um, cheating, or stealing that if she doesn't even have to account for. And then they didn't even release her her uh, criminal record in court. They didn't give it uh, a copy to the jury. I didn't get a copy of all the crimes that she didn't commit. But the thing is, they told her that if she didn't testify against me and cooperate with them, that they was gonna throw her ass back in prison. Now, what I got to do with my mom? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But they they have a relationship with her because she's a career criminal. You see what I'm saying? I know. I know what you mean. So, just by her being my mother, I'm tied in here. And just like with everything else in my case, somebody go around um, saying something about me, saying something about my brother, and saying something. So they admitted all kind of hearsay testimony and involved circumstantial evidence that didn't they didn't have no merit. And then they said that I called my mother, but they had phone call records, and then none of them phone call records showed a call was made to my mom. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. So if they saying that me and my mother had talked around. The time that the crime was committed and she asked me about it, why wasn't her number on my call list? You see what I'm saying? And they had my phone records. Hmm. Did you know the victim? Did I? No, I didn't know the victim. I wound up finding out later that the victim was actually kind of like related to me. And that, and that hurt me because when I talked to a few of my cousins, my cousins was like, well, I don't know if you knew this, Quindell, but he helped us move in and he paid our rent and he did this for us. And I felt sad because I was just like, he sounded like a great guy. He sounded like when they were speaking on him at, 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 at trial, they were saying that he was a, he foster kids. Like, 
he had like uh, 14 siblings and I was hurt because I was just like, this man needs justice and he needs to find out who really did this. But they, and it was, like I said, it's so much stuff that I have on record that the Commonwealth and the prosecution never did their job to the fullest extent because they had it in their minds that it was going to charge me with the crime. And it was so crazy that one of the jurors even said that out of their mouth. They was like, shit, well, when he got locked up, I figured that, that he was the guy. I'm like, then why the hell is you coming up here to be a juror? Then they dismiss them for being a juror because that's how biased they are. When they see a black man is locked up for something, they already assume that you're guilty for the shit before you even go through trial. Yeah. Uh, what, the victim was a black guy? Yeah, the victim was a black guy. And you had never known him, or no contact, no nothing? No, I never had known him, never had no contact with him. Who do you think would want to hurt this guy? At the time, it was like, it was so crazy because at the time, it was a guy that I got, um, I went to I went to trial, and it was a guy that came up to me, and he was like, is you Quindell Kirby? And I was like, yeah. So I'm like, how he knew, he knew my whole name, he knew my damn middle name. So I'm like, how you know all my, my information? Like, I don't put it out there. I mean, I know it's, it's public information once, once it's out there. But he was investigated by the police on that crime. And the police lied and, and, and um, they lied on stand and said they never investigated somebody else for the crime when they investigated this Lenard um, because he was killing cab drivers at the time. He was a white guy? He's light-skinned. So are you saying the actual perpetrator might have approached you? Yeah, I'm just being honest. And I, and I bumped into him a few so times. So the guy was showing up at trial watching what's going on? No, he was locked up too. He was locked up for already killing cab drivers. Oh, shit. So when he, I, had, I, I think I had to go to trial and he had to go to trial or he had to go to a hearing or something. And he just approached me and was like, are you Quindell Kirby? And I was like, yeah, I'm Quindell Kirby. So he was like, Yo, I just want to let you know that I was being investigated for the cab murders. Yeah, because, you know, basically he was just letting me know, like, he was killing a couple of cab drivers and stuff like that. And they wanted to, they, they asked him, was we partners or something like that? Was we going on licks together and taking out cab drivers? And I was just shocked because they never brought this up in trial. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They lied, actually. They said they never investigated nobody when they investigated him. And asked him, did they, did he know me? What did he say? He he said no, he didn't know me, cause we did we don't know each other. You see what I'm saying? We just so happened to be in the bullpen that day when I was going in front of the um, the courts for a hearing or for my trial, and he just wanted to let me know that because that's just how. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of different in the black community because sometimes. When we both being charged for certain things, people have a, they'll let, they'll let their guard down and they'll feel more comfortable because they be like, well, the system is fucking us both. So I might as well let you know what's going on. That's what basically how he approached me. And he was like, well, yeah, I took a plea. I think he took a plea for the cab on murders that he had did. But what they wanted to know was, was, was me and him partners. And I'm like, why didn't none of this come up in their paperwork? 
and then they lied because the judge asked them. He said, did you ever, ever investigate anybody else for this crime? And the, and the prosecutor said, no, we didn't. And that was a lie. It was a lie. Mm. Now I've been looking for Lenard. That's the guy's name. I, I think I had it written down somewhere because I wanted him to, to write an affidavit for me to state that they investigated him and they, and they questioned him about the murder that uh they, they convicted me on. Where is he at right now? I'm, I think he's still behind bars. I just got to get his full name. I know his name was like Lenard or something. I can't think of his last name. This part of the conversation I'm not going to put on the air because they might get him, take him out before we get to him. So, but to get Lenar, we uh, it has to be a private investigator because you can't do that directly. It has to be uh, without duress. Otherwise, the courts would throw it out. Yeah. Um, so, th so this part. But they're listening to us already, so fuck it. We just put everything on the air. Shackled with Iran on justicenews.net.